Today's another solo episode where we get to dive into the deep recesses of my heart and spirit and life, and uh, hopefully you guys can extract some takeaways and some lessons and also be challenged because that's really why I'm doing this is to to provoke thought, conversation, and, and hopefully move all of us in the direction of improving our lives, whatever that may look like for you. Today, specifically, we're talking about spirituality, or maybe even lack thereof in a sense, and really kind of my journey of my relationship with God. And this isn't like, this is my whole life story, but really what's transpired in the last, let's say, three or four years that I realized a few weeks ago, and I'm working on integrating, and it's actually much harder than I thought it would be to do that. Um, We're going to get into the details of all of that, but overall, it's really just a a synopsis of where I'm at spiritually and why I made certain choices spiritually and the the consequences that I'm living with, uh, with those decisions, for better or for worse, and, and where hopefully I can get takeaways from that. Maybe you can get takeaways from that. Uh, because I don't think that my story is that much different. I mean, obviously, it's unique to me, but it's not that much different than what a lot of us go through in the sense of disappointment, heartache, etc., and, and how that can influence and um, affect our relationship with our spirituality. If you haven't already, I'd ask you to subscribe as well as leave a comment. As always, I read all of them and I appreciate them. Uh, if you got any ideas as far as topics to chat about or if you, if you want to be a guest, feel free to reach out to me at multifacetedmasculinity.com. So without further ado, let's dive into uh, kind of my journey with God and some of the challenging takeaways that I have had here in the last few weeks. Men. We are not simple, chest-thumping, rock-smashing, fire-starting barbarians. We have depth. We intensely feel. We are scared, yet brave. We love to have fun. We're imperfect and make mistakes. We're compassionate and loving. We are multifaceted. Let's explore the reality of masculinity together. All right. I, want, I actually want to start with a question for you, and that is, what does your spirituality look like, and how does that integrate or tie into your masculinity? We've touched on that some in previous episodes with different guests, but I'm really curious for you to pause and even maybe even pause the, the podcast before we even get started and just ask yourself, what currently, take inventory, we're, we're so busy with all the to-dos and kids and work and business and whatever it may be in our life, just to slow down and take inventory and ask yourself, what does your spirituality currently look like? And I don't want to say, what does your relationship with God look like? Because I don't want to tie it to just that. I want to broaden it and really have you look at what is your spirituality. And that may just be, not just, but that may be your relationship with God, and that is all of your spirituality. That may be you going to church on a regular basis and tied into your community and having experiences, etc. That may be you getting out into nature and connecting to the universe 
you know, I, I personally feel like the universe, God, spirituality, they're, they're all synonymous. They're the avenues that we use to, to really lean on and to find something that's greater than ourselves that makes us feel not so alone. And I'm asking you this question because, quite frankly, I did not pause and ask myself this question for years, quite frankly. Uh, long, long, long story short, I went through a divorce, but even before I went through that divorce, I obviously got married. We were married for almost 12 years, and when I was dating my ex-wife, my spirituality was so interwoven with that relationship. And when I say so interwoven, I mean, I was... I'll give you one example. There was a moment where my ex-wife, she was, we were in Africa and we were doing missions and she felt like God had said that I was supposed to be her husband. And she's like, yeah, there's no way. We're just friends. I'm too young. It's not right, etc." And then she says to God, you know what, God, you either need to give him, if this is really you, you need to give him a dream tonight or an open vision tomorrow saying that we are to be married, or this is not God, this is just something that's in my imagination, these are just my hormones, and I'm blowing it off. The next day, we were in a class together, and I was doing this fast and trying to learn how to hear God's voice and kind of leaning into my relationship with God, etc. And all of a sudden, I got this picture. this kind of like vivid picture, not an open vision as if we were standing there, but in, in my mind's eye. And I got this picture of my ex and I standing there holding hands and she was in a wedding gown and I was standing next to her and I was like, I rebuke you, Satan. Of course, you're trying to distract me because I'm trying to learn how to hear God's voice and you would try to come in at this time and plant these seeds, you know, I just all young and (laughs) super spiritual about my response, but I couldn't shake it. And eventually it got to a point where I wrote a little note on my notepad and passed it over to her. And I was like, basically said, hey, this might sound crazy. I need you to pray for me afterwards because as you know, I'm trying to learn how to hear God's voice and I'm distracted by this silly little picture of you and I being married. Obviously, it's not God. I need you to like pray and shake this off of me. And she wouldn't do it. She wouldn't pray for me. She started laughing and obviously I didn't understand at the time. But she was getting this confirmation, right, from God that it actually was meant to be. And we probably had 15 or more of those little interactions where neither one of us knew the other's story, but we were having these kind of spiritual experiences and confirming that this, you know, this is the one. And so when we eventually started dating and we kind of went into it, with this understanding that, yeah, I mean, it may be a year, it may be five years, it may be 20 years, but eventually I'm going to marry this woman. And that's kind of how I saw it because I had all these, my own sets of confirmations. And what ended up happening was when that marriage came to an end, you know, obviously with any divorce, there is grief. There's not just grief of the pain and, you know, the accusations and the heartache that you're saying to one another. But there's also the pain of grieving the past, sure, but there's also, there's the pain of 
grieving the future. You know, we had dreams together. We we created three human beings together, etc. And for me, because God was so interwoven with us getting together. And when I was standing there on our wedding day and it said, the pastor said, what God brings together, let no man separate. I believed that. I was all in on that theology. And I was all in that, you know, there, there's no way. We're going to have hard times. We're going to have disagreements. We're going to have financial hardships. We're going to not see each other. We're gonna, All that's going to happen. But I can always fall back on this reassurance that our coming together was so supernatural that there's no way that this would actually come to an end. And so when it did, it was not only the death of my marriage, but really in a, in a large sense, the death of my relationship with God or what I knew to be my relationship with God at the time. Now you couple that with that we were very involved with church at the time and most of our friends who we had moved across the country to with to plant a church, in a sense, kind of disappeared. They didn't really know what to do about our situation. And so a lot of them basically did the obligatory, I'm so sorry, I'll pray for you. But then really not much else, no texts, no calls. And, and so a lot, so my community disappeared, our large percentage of my community disappeared at the same time that my marriage disappeared, at the same time this life that I had built building towards, been making all kinds of mistakes, had insecurities, dealt with depression. Like, it wasn't perfect, but I'd been building towards this long-term vision of growing old with this woman. That came to an end, and there was a death there. And, I mean, I reached a point where, ultimately, I after my divorce, got to a point where I literally had a gun to my head. And anybody who's been listening to my story long enough knows that that's a part of it, where I was propped up on a lot of VA medications and it, they weren't sufficient for me, right? For me. I know that they really help some people, but for me, they basically kept me alive but didn't help me live. And I reached a point where I had a gun to my head and because I had lost everything that I knew to be my life. And I'm saying all that to say and to tie into this whole conversation around spirituality was what I didn't realize was that in that moment and in that during that time, I inadvertently, subconsciously said to God, never again. That that hurt too bad. I I can't be close to you because I felt so close to you when we got together, when my ex and I got together, I felt so close to God. Like I could hear his voice and I was in the Bible and I was involved in church and, and, and that was just a part of who I was. And then when there was a death of all of it, and I reached a point where I, I felt now, fortunately I didn't pull the trigger, right? but I felt that my only way out was to end my life. That's how low and desperate I felt. Now, fortunately, I found psychedelics and they saved my life, amongst other things, yoga, community, rebuilding a life, etc. cetera. But um, what I decided 
deep in the recesses of my heart was that I have to do this on my own. I have to do this thing called life on my own. And yes, I had the I've I have had these really cool spiritual experiences with psychedelics and separate from psychedelics in nature with God and it's not that it's been completely void, but at the core of who I am it was I can't rely on God to be there for me. I can't rely on God to kind of be my savior because I counted on that and it didn't work out. It didn't work out. And you can logically say, well, yes, there is God and there is spirituality, but there's also free will. And there are two individuals that both have free will. And if both don't choose into that marriage for one reason or the other, then it won't work no matter how much God tries to intervene. God loves us so much that he gave us free will so that we would have to be able to choose him in response. But for me, I have a tendency of kind of being all or nothing at times, black and white. You know, I I had a friend in California who used to always encourage me. He's like, man, you got to find the middle ground. You got to find balance. You know, all these catchphrases. I'm like, show me one person who's made any change in the world that had balance. Anybody who's been effective has been all in. You know, he's like, great. Well, look for the radical middle. If you got to be all out in something, radically pursue the middle. (laughs) Now, I was a little young to hear that at the time, but I'm learning more and more the, the value of that. But for me, with my spirituality, it kind of was an all or nothing thing where I can no longer count on God. It has to be all on me. And I need to take the weight of digging myself out of this hole. I need to take the weight of really my own spirituality and in a sense, find that God from within me. And I I think that there is aspects of all of us that that show the beauty of God. And I think God does reside in each one of us. But I essentially eliminated God from my day-to-day relationship. I eliminated God from my conversation, from my pursuit, from my journaling, from my meditation. And I turned to, you know, microdosing psychedelics first and then working with ayahuasca and psilocybin and so on. And had powerful experiences in those moments where you get those insights and revelations. And that's why I do psychedelic psychedelic integration coaching because I have this deep-seated need to go, okay, I, I got those insights. Essentially treating God like a vending machine saying, thanks for the cookie. Now I'm going to walk away from the vending machine and I'm going to eat it. I put such an emphasis on the integration component of it where essentially it's on me to do. I get these revelations, insights, whatever they may be, whether it be from God or from psychedelics or from having coffee with a friend, but it's on me to figure out how to do it. And I, this is not, please hear me. This is not an out for personal responsibility. I'm a massive proponent of personal responsibility and not playing the victim role. But when it comes to spirituality there's so much more to it. And when, for me, when I eliminated God, essentially from the, not just the conversation, but from the room, it's like, you need to get the hell out because last time you were in here, we had an argument and you hit me with a two by four and I'm not feeling that pain again. So the only way I can not feel that pain is remove the guy with a two by four. That was my perception. 
what that generated in me at the core of who I am. I, I eliminated that comfort. I eliminated having something larger than me to build with. I eliminated my ability to dream, to pursue good things. Now, I have remarried. I have bought a ranch in Texas. I, I have done things. But if I'm honest with myself and I'm honest with you, a lot of that has been driven by my wife, my current wife. She's big on manifestations and dreaming and pursuing something bigger. But I had so removed God that I had I had removed the creator and then was mad at myself because I couldn't create. And one of the things that I do is every year I, I get away for a couple of days to kind of reflect and, and think about the year and sometimes dream or strategize or plan or journal for the coming year and kind of what do I want out of that year. Highly recommend it to everyone. But for me, I did that a few weeks ago and I actually was working with MDMA at the time and was processing a lot of this and really for the first time, probably in at least two years outside of I'm tucking my kids in at night and my son says, Hey dad, can you pray with me? I'm like, yeah, sure. Dear God, pray that everybody sleeps good tonight and that my kids get good grades. Amen. You know, I just not that flippant, but not really any emotion, no relationship to it. No, um, no interaction with God, just words out of my mouth. And I went for a walk. It was a gorgeous sunset. And I just began to cry. And I said, I don't want to do it alone anymore. I, I've been, it, it, he's actually been a guest on this podcast recently. Um, David Charlson, who's one of my closest friends and my coach, you know, he's worked with me. And I remember him actually saying that the area of loneliness, because when it comes to me and business, yes, I have people around me, but I felt, and I still do feel I'm, I'm working through this. It's not a light switch, but I felt so alone and that loneliness. Now you could say, practically speaking, COVID-19 happened. We got isolated. Our society's changed. We've gotten more into our silos. We've got a presidential um, election coming up and people are mad at everybody. Like the, all those factors are real. I'm not dismissing any of those factors, but at the core of who I am, I felt alone. I would be sitting in my office at home where I'm recording this now and I wouldn't have much drive. I, I would literally sit in front of my computer, be like, okay, I need to do emails now. And they would just feel like I'm like I'm running a marathon through a swamp with ankle weights on. That's how that loneliness felt to me. And yes, I've struggled with depression and I and there are things that I do to help mitigate that. And I I I hope that you're hearing what I'm trying to say in this is I, I'm not trying to throw out the practicals, right? I get my blood work done. I've got episodes on the importance of all kinds of the things, you know, whether it be positive triggers for your emotions or physical health or sleep or it, all of that is important. I'm just talking about one ingredient in the recipe of life and I'm focusing in on that one ingredient. And for me, removing God from the room 
after the divorce. It's really no surprise that I've been using that metaphor, sitting alone in the room, and then I hire a coach, and we work on all kinds of things, but one of them was my loneliness. And I'm like, ah, I'm so alone, I'm so lonely. And I could go and I could do yoga, or I could go on a date with my wife, or we could have friends over, but there is a deeper-seated loneliness that was still there. I was still haunting me, still still kind of like a, a black noise in the background. It's not even a white noise. It's like a black noise in the background. It's just like, yeah, you might might be laughing right now at this comedy special, but you're still alone. And my wife has been gracious. My wife is super supportive. I don't per se feel alone in my relationship with her. I feel like we are a partnership, except for times that we're arguing and then we kind of go to unhealthy, self-protective things. But in general, right, we have a great relationship. But I felt alone. See, I, I had effectively kicked out my best friend and then played the victim card. This is all subconsciously, but played the victim card and cried to my coach about my loneliness. And so using that metaphor... I kicked my best friend out of the room. I sat alone in the room and then I had somebody come to the window and I'd crack open the window and go, I'm so alone. I'm so alone. And then slam the window shut because I'd have my session with him, right? I'd have my hour meeting with him and I'd feel connected and I'd feel encouraged. And, but then that hour meeting would come to an end. And here I was all alone, all over again. And I'm sharing this with you for really two reasons. One is because what I've found in my own life is that when I talk about these things, it helps kind of solidify those experiences and where I'm at. I, me articulating where I'm at helps me better own where I'm at for myself. And when I was on that walk and I said, I don't want to do it alone, I was equally honest with God. I said, I don't really know how to have a relationship with you anymore. I don't know what that looks like. I did the all or nothing thing where I was all in, even in my brokenness and dysfunction, I was all in. And then I was all out. But I wasn't like a 16-year-old rebellious teenager that was like, screw you, God, I'm going to do whatever is evil. I just kicked him out of the room. And now... I'm opening the door and I'm going, I see you standing there, but I don't really know how to invite you in. And if I'm honest, my heart still feels a little scared, still feels a little scared to open back up because logically I can, I can see the situation. I can see my divorce and I can analyze it. Right? I, can, I can see my side of things and I've spent time looking at the areas that really, in a sense, I fell short or where I didn't show up. And I can see the pain that my ex-wife was going through and, and kind of some of the driving forces of her actions. And actually, my ex and I, we have a great relationship now. Right? We co-parent and we talk regularly and we've forgiven one another and we've had hard conversations so I, I can see that. I can look at all of that. 
But my heart and, and my spirituality, my spirit, it's still kind of calloused. It still feels timid to be able to do that all in, right? And, and maybe all in, I'm, even me saying those words right now out loud, I'm like, well, maybe I don't need to go all in. Maybe there is a healthy, radical middle that I can pursue with God. Because it's for me, it, it means, okay, I'm not going to be going to church three times a week and reading my Bible twice a day and becoming a scholar. And, you know, it's, it's not that. What, what I want and what I'm looking for is that relationship, right? That relationship piece that I shut down, that I shut down and it caused me to deal with the loneliness of it. And just like if you were hurt in a previous relationship, it's really scary to open your heart up to somebody else. At least it was for me. But doing that, when I did that, I found beauty. I found love. I found a new life, a, a, another opportunity. It's something different. You know, my, my wife and I now will never have the relationship that my ex and I have or had. Well, had or have. We won't. It's, it's fundamentally different on many levels. And that's really what I'm looking for now is that relationship with God that is fundamentally different on many levels. But I'm open to it. And I'm curious about it. And what I've found is I'm starting to take those ankle weights off. And I can see there's actually an end to the swamp. There's flat road ahead. And there's a, a water station where I can take a break. Doesn't mean that I still don't have challenges, that I still won't get frustrated, that if I'm tired, I won't snap at somebody and have to apologize doesn't mean any of that, but what it means is that I don't have to do it alone. And what I want to encourage you with from this story and, and from where I'm at currently, real time, is that you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone. There's, there's a lot of levels within that statement in and of itself, right? I don't know about you, but statistically speaking, men are not the best at reaching out and asking for help. I know I'm not. I know most of my friends are not. So maybe not doing it alone is doing just that. It's asking for help. Maybe it's getting involved in something new. Maybe it's finding a new recreation that you have always wanted to try, but you haven't tried. And maybe it's taking a moment to pause and ask yourself that question I asked at the very beginning of this recording, which is where is your spirituality now? Do you feel alone in your spirituality? Because if you do, there's a good chance that somewhere in your journey, somewhere in your life, maybe you didn't turn your back on God, maybe you did. And this isn't an altar call. This is just an invitation to to consider it, to look at it, to look at your spirituality, 
objectively and go, where am I at? And am I really happy with it? Is this what I want? For me, when I started to do that, the answer was a simple no. And I'm still sifting through what that looks like. I'm sifting through how to do it different. And I'm stumbling forward. And there's still days that have gone by where I haven't prayed and I haven't engaged in my spirituality. But you know what? There's days that I have. There's days that I've gone on walks and began to pray while I was walking. There's days that I'm starting to do things different to ease into a new relationship with God. And if somebody as stubborn as me can begin that process, and trust me, ask my wife, (laughs) I'm one stubborn guy. If somebody as stubborn as me can begin to change that relationship, I'm willing to bet that regardless of where you are, maybe you're totally content. Maybe this podcast episode is like, yeah, that's a good story, Josh, but I'm good. Great. You're, You're living with the consequences of the actions that you've taken in your spirituality. I think that's awesome. But maybe you're not happy with where you're at. And it's an opportunity to go, you know what? It's not going to be easy. It's not even going to be fun sometimes, but it will be rewarding. Just like my renewed relationship with my wife. It's not easy sometimes. It's not fun sometimes. But it's beautiful. And it's rewarding. And it's healing. And I think we all have that opportunity to be able to do that with God. And lastly, I would say that the spirituality masculinity component, I personally believe that it's very hard to be locked into your masculine without a spiritual component to it. Whatever shape that takes for you. Right? I'm not here to say what religion it is or what form that takes or what practices you need. But I don't, just like I didn't know of any man that was balanced, that created change in the world, and I would argue that I could actually find some examples now, I also don't know of any men that found greatness in their life void of spirituality where they took it all on their shoulders to do it themselves. Now, there are men that have done amazing things, and they're very self-driven men. But I'm talking about those men in the moments where they're all by themselves, laying down with their head on their pillow, brutally honest with themselves, to ask the question whether or not there's spirituality present in their masculinity. Because just like me being able to do some things on my own, you know, I've worked on business and I've bought a home and I've gotten married and I've done things, but I haven't really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed moments of it, but I haven't enjoyed it with the black noise of loneliness in the background. And I'm beginning to just feel the the slow melting of that loneliness in my heart. And I got to be honest, it feels really damn good. So if somebody stubborn like me can do it, I guarantee that if you're willing to be brutally honest with yourself, assess your spirituality, your relationship with God, and be willing to challenge yourself to change it if you're not happy with it, 
and then have the balls to be able to take one step forward when maybe your heart is scared or you've been hurt, that you'll find something beautiful on the other side of it. 